The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new installment of My Take Radio in 60, the one-hour version of MTR, bringing you the latest and greatest in short form. This week, we are discussing the first day of E3. I have the pleasure of being joined by Danny from Royal Flush Magazine. We're going to break down some of the keynotes from today, some of the things we like, some of the things we dislike, and, of course, some of the stuff that we found utterly ridiculous. What's going on, Danny? Hey, nothing much. All right, so we just wrapped up the Sony E3 keynote, which went substantially longer than we expected, uh, probably about almost two hours. And, um, of course, we had Ubisoft, we had Microsoft, and um, EA also showed off a couple of things. So uh, let's take it from the top, I guess, with Microsoft. I think Microsoft had a very, very strong showing. I felt they did play it a little safe. They used a lot of their uh, mainstay franchises. Overall, what did you think of the keynote? Yeah, it was pretty much, they tried to cram too much. Like, it was extremely overwhelming. Right. I felt that, you know, the the bulk of it was, um, you know, it was very, they wanted to make up for every mistake they made initially. Yeah, like focusing too much on TV last year and, but they... Their exclusives do not match Sony's at all. Do you feel their exclusives were weaker or on par with Sony's offerings? I think it was weaker because one of the biggest titles that everybody's waiting for is Destiny, and it's going first to PlayStation. Even the beta is going first to PlayStation, and it's a Bungie title. Most people that have an Xbox have it because of Bungie. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the things that Bungie became a mainstay on on the Xbox scene, bringing so many great titles to, you know, to the console. But now that they, they're going multi-platform, I feel that Sony definitely lured them with just a more, not to say a more powerful system, but just a system whose architecture was really, has really been maximized a bit more. Yeah. But what, you know. We we got our typical mainstays, you know. We got Call of Duty: Advanced Warfare, which you know it's it, it borrows some healthy elements of Titanfall this time around, just going more modern, more futuristic. Um, I you, billion billion dollar title definitely, but I do feel that Call of Duty is starting to lose its luster. As pretty as it looked, as graphically intensive as it appeared to be, it just felt like a lot of the same. And Titanfall kind of already got the ball rolling in that respect. You mean the dog fur from last year did not <laughs> hype you up for this year? No, absolutely not. <laughs> for me, I got my Master Chief, which I knew was coming. And now I'm going to have to own all the games again just so I can play Halo 5. Well, here's here's an interesting thing with that. You know, they allow it, it wouldn't be a, a Microsoft keynote without the, the involvement of Master Chief. Now... Obviously, remastering the games, releasing it with all the multiplayer levels, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. While I do feel it was great because it is a, you know, it's a marquee title for Microsoft and it gives Microsoft a lot of clout. I did feel that, not that it was more of the same, but it was, again, just resting your laurels on IPs that are going to guarantee you success. You weren't taking as many risks. Yeah, 
Yeah. Like, do something new, or they could have done what Sony did and highlight indie developers more. Right. Because there's tons of indie developers that got started through Xbox, and they just don't show them. Or they show them for, like, a brief second, and that's it. Well, Evolve looked very good. I'm, I, I was really impressed that they were willing to make it a, a showpiece at this, you know, at the Xbox keynote, considering that it's a game that has already been talked about quite a bit and has been pretty well received. So I was not shocked, but just it, a little taken aback that they put so much focus on that particular title. Same thing with Assassin's Creed, where, you know, they really tried to get it out there and, and show it off, but multi-platform games, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what do you think about that Super Ultra Dead Rising 3? I think Super Ultra Dead Rising 3 was a nice way of Capcom letting us know that they're they're in on the joke. You know, they don't take themselves seriously, which I, which I like. I like the fact that it, it's like movies that they don't try to be Oscar-winning films. They don't try to be over the top. They realize that they fit a certain niche, and that's the niche that's applicable to them. In this case, you know, Capcom knows that they're... They're notorious for double dipple, uh, double dipping, triple dipping, quadruple <laughs> dipping. So the fact that everybody was kind of in on the gag, including Capcom, I think was was a novel thing for them. It also breathed a little life into a game that a lot of people really enjoy. So I didn't I didn't find it to be, um, you know, it didn't detract from the experience. On the contrary, I think more publishers need to realize that if they're known for a certain bread and butter, they should try and maximize that. To a degree, I'm not saying, you know, we should have a new game every year like like Madden, but we should definitely focus on the positives. Like in Dead Rising's case, obviously, the Capcom relationships and the and and the many IPs are going to play a great part in just breathing fresh life into the game. Sure. Okay. I know that you were talking about Dance Central Spotlight. You uh, you mentioned it to me off air and um, very, very strange interface. I just wanted to. hear your thoughts on it because again this is the the dance central franchise is so big um it touches so many different audiences young older um what'd you think of the overall just the the change in direction for the series well i i like that now mind you i didn't see if it was unveiled during the xbox one but i like that it's going to be with the xbox one on the connect because that connect is far more superior than its predecessor. And I honestly love all the Dance Central games. Well, I know you have a you have a soft spot for those games. Do you feel that oh, this yeah. is this is going to be one of those games that gets people to start taking Connect more seriously because honestly, by by them releasing a console without the Connect, I always felt that that was Microsoft saying that it wasn't that good, you know? Right, that's true. But then you got to also remember that Harmonix is also working on Fantasia. Right. And that game is totally different from Absolutely. anything that they've done before. So I think they're going to continue to innovate. We did get to see a little bit of Fable Legends, which I know a lot of a lot of our guys that are Fable fans on on uh, on the MTR side of things were pretty pumped for. What do you think? I mean, the the visuals looked really good. Um the ability to play as a villain, a little bit of that multiplayer flavoring was nice. Yeah, isn't that the same with Skylanders too? Can't you play as the villains as well? I believe that there is. My my Skylanders um, knowledge base is more limited just because that's a game that requires heavy investment because you got to buy all the damn toys. Yeah, so, so that's probably the same level that I'm at with Fable. <laughs> right, gotcha. Well, one thing I really did like um, and I felt was, was interesting was the rise of Tomb Raider. Uh, mm. really, really good-looking game. I, I liked where they were going. Nice, gritty. Um, I think they were really trying to add more of that uncharted, uh, high-stakes cinematic vibe to it, which I really liked. Um, well, I like that now they're taking it from she's, like, done something in the in the first game, and now she's actually going to become the woman that we all know and, and love for right. Laura Croft. Like this is the beginning of her becoming a badass. Yep, and I and I like that. I felt that there's a there's a good level of storytelling there, and I kind of feel that they're inadvertently rebooting the game without really putting it out there. In the sense that 
we know we know the Lara Croft mythology from previous Tomb Raider games. Obviously, they're not trying to reinvent the wheel too much, but I think they're stripping away a lot of the the overabundant uh, kind of like the sexuality that that was just a major factor with with pushing Lara Croft to the demo when we were younger and Tomb Raider first hit the scene. Now we're we're going into something more gritty, more realistic. Um, just a, a more violent in real world, which I think is is great for the franchise, and it pushes it into a direction where it can just be taken more seriously. Yeah, in general, we didn't see too many games that featured like the typical, the stereotypical girl. Right. right. We, we, do you think it's a trend that we're moving away from? We're starting to see more realism, more, more, more bigger badass chicks versus the typical save this save this individual. Save this girl. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that that's definitely, I think that's what women in general in the industry have been asking for. And now we're getting it. So I'm excited for it. I was very impressed to see Tom Clancy have a, a good presence there. Obviously, the division was something that everyone was talking about. And, of course, people talked about Rainbow Six. Um, do you oh think it's God. a... It's Rainbow a, Six looks awesome. <laughs> it's a welcome alternative to Call of Duty. Don't you agree? Uh yeah. Yeah, and they definitely had like a girl in their in their clan trying to help them along as well. Right. I was I was a little taken aback by by Scalebound just because it 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 snuck in there out of nowhere. Um It was the dragon one, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, that that I did not know where it was going. The guy looked like he had an iPod on. He had some beat style headphones, that's for sure. Yeah, and then he like slayed a dragon out of nowhere and then another one comes out. It's like what the hell's going on here? A little a little a little devil may cry ish, don't you think? Yeah, I agree. And then of course uh, a staple and some people complained, some people didn't, and that was crackdown. Uh, Crackdown has always been a guilty pleasure for me, whether it's considered, um, you know, the best game, not the greatest game, or just something that's so academic. For me, it's 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 a guilty pleasure. Again, going back to what we said earlier about it not taking itself seriously. Yeah, it was this so is so simplistic when right. I when I used to play it. You, it it had no real objective. Absolutely, it was just, you just free world and you go around like. Well, I, I mean, overall, with that, Crackdown, I think, just used that as a way to remind people, hey, you know, this was a fun game, there's an audience for it, and we haven't forgotten you. I, I mean, you know, you, you got your Halo fill, you, they didn't really try to push too many ancillary services, and on top of that, they just made sure to give us what was missing last year. Last year was sports, 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 TV, TV, TV. This year, we're just going to give you games... Sure and keep our mouths shut, you know? Yeah, well, that still goes back to my point where that console was not ready to be released last year. Mm. It needed way more titles. Yeah, absolutely. But I think I think the first launch blues affected both both systems individually. I mean, I've talked about this just on regular episodes of My Take Radio and um in this instance I did feel that post E3 we were going to kind of level the playing field and that definitely was the case. Mm-hmm. Now, on the you know on the EA side of things, it we got more of the typical EA stuff. You know, we got some Battlefield. Everybody was hyped for that. Um, you know, we as saw- always, <laughs> everybody can sign up for the beta, and then yeah, everybody won't care. That's how it was. It was like, oh my god, look, it's so amazing. I'm like, uh, okay, great. You know, I mean, Star Wars Battlefront got my attention more so. From the EA from the EA conference only because Star Wars is such a, a huge franchise and when it's done right it's such a great franchise to be behind. Yeah, I didn't see anything from the EA conference, but it sounds like I didn't miss too much. Well, I I saw bits and pieces of it, and you know I like Star Wars Battlefront. Obviously, as an MMA fan, seeing um some of the UFC gameplay was was big. Um, you know the the battlefield stuff, like I said, looked incredibly promising. I mean, they they had to go hokey and have the guys playing the game while being outside and shit, and you know, in a sweltering sun. You know, typical typical big show, big developer feel, which was fine again, but it wasn't something like they didn't jump out as, oh my god, I got to part with this money right away. It was more so, 
EA relying on what they got and trying to make themselves a force once again. I mean, NBA Live, you know, the usual suspects. Yeah. Those are typically what you expect from EA anyway. Yeah, I mean, on the on, I I felt Ubisoft as a, as a as a publisher had a better had a better showing than EA. Ubisoft showed a lot of great stuff. That Assassin's Creed looked incredibly promising, and um, they were innovative. Like they actually came out with a free app, even if it is for fucking Dance Central. Yep, they came out with the free app that makes your Wiimote useless, right. pretty much. Yeah, there were there were there were some really really great things from Ubisoft. I like I said that I knew that they were going to use Assassin's Creed as their tentpole just because they want to give people franchises that they're they're familiar with, and not only that, they want to use franchises that can truly showcase the the you know the capabilities of both uh, Xbox One and uh, PlayStation Four. Mm-hmm. That's true. Sure. I do I do feel that. You know, they uh, one of the things that came out of E3 everybody was talking about was the Steam the Steam machine from Alienware, which I kind of wanted to touch on because it's a Steam OS ready PC that's um, gonna run at five hundred and forty nine dollars with an Xbox three hundred and sixty controller. It will not be built with a uh, Linux um, OS. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be built with Windows eight point one. And so this is one of the things that I actually got to play with at CES awesome. this year. And the Steam OS is actually pretty nice. It's like for any console gamer that's kind of afraid to get into PC gaming, right. they can have this little box, hook it up to your TV, and you could feel like everybody else. The only exception is you're playing with a console controller. Now, what people are saying is that this particular system, this 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 entry level 549 system, is going to run um, an Intel Core i3, four gig DDR. Uh, custom built NVIDIA Maxwell GPU, two gigs of dedicated um, high-speed memory, and then of course you're going to get the usual high-speed wireless, uh, Bluetooth, HDMI out, uncompressed eight-channel audio, plus support for 4K and HDMI pass-through, and of course gigabit internet, which are all great, great additions to the you know this particular piece of hardware. But again, that 549 price tag. You're gonna have people say, "I can build a PC that's comparable for less money." That's true, and you can just get the Steam OS for free. Right. I personally, while I like the concept and I like the the, the concept of PC gaming, I, I just me personally, I've never jumped into PC gaming. I use my PC as as a work tool, so I like right. to kind of keep things segregated by keeping a console and and PC, you know, for work only. Now, in this case, I feel that they're like what you were saying, they're just trying to capitalize on those people that are fringe that kind of want to get into it. Don't want to spend the money on, you know, a $300 video card and, and are scared to build their own machines. Do you think that market is going to be a big enough market for this to gain any sort of traction? It depends. It depends on what type of games they play because they need to already be one of the people that want to play certain titles that aren't available for them on the PC. I mean, on the console. Right. So it has, it has to be that, that demographic. Yeah. The fringe, the fringe demographic, like, like I said, I, if I, if I had to get into it, I'd, I'd give it a shot, but that $549 price tag, I mean, I built a brand new, I built almost a brand new system to, to power the show. And I spent less than that. I mean, I repurposed a lot of the the gear I had, but the main part being the motherboard and the CPU was well under um, a $549 price tag. So, you know, it's definitely something that for fringe fans, it might be good, but it, it's going to make people really second guess an investment when they can get now uh, next generation hardware that's multi-purpose for a fraction of the price. I mean... You you can jump in now at three ninety nine with a PS four or an Xbox One. You get mm-hmm. all the ancillary services. Plus, you're starting to get some really hot, some really high grade titles. Right, but then there's some Steam titles that you may never get the chance to play. Such as give give us give us a few of them that that you might. Um, I'm just playing Devil's Advocate. That's okay. I'll take it. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. Gary's mod. Okay. Uh, Gary's mod will definitely get a couple of uh, a couple of people involved. That's for sure. Daisy is right. one. 
Yeah, Daisy, definitely. Planet side. Okay. Uh, maybe Counter Strike. Ah, That's yes. Really old. Counter Strike is old, but there's def there's definitely love for that for that series. And Starbound and Terraria. Oh, look at that. De de so there are some titles. Yeah, I didn't know them, but hey, Google helped me out. <laughs> no, no harm in that. Um, yeah. Nintendo got a little bit of love courtesy of Capcom with some. Uh, with a big announcement that they were going to drop some titles on Nintendo's Virtual Console service, including um, Breath of Fire, Mega Man X3, Mega Man 7, Demon's Crest. Uh, with, with the with the announcement of Mega Man X3, Mega Man X7, pretty much every and and also the 2004 Mega Man Anniversary. It you know there's a lot of love for Mega Man being demonstrated on the Wii U, which is great. Again, breathing life into a console that people kind of have been downplaying as of late i mean the the release of mario kart and the tremendous success it's had have been a driving force but again this virtual console releases are definitely nice and and ex and give the wii u fans something else to look forward to yeah but couldn't they have just released released it for the original wii they could have but why do that <laughs> that's true they want people to buy a useless tablet that does nothing well, that's the problem. The tablet interface is is something that it, it's the same thing with with the Connect. You know, very fringe, very underutilized. You know, you you say to yourself, "Oh, you guys got this tablet. There's so much great hardware. There's so many great applications." I do feel that Nintendo wasn't aggressive enough in getting third party developers to develop stuff for that tablet, and in turn, it's kind of been a gift and a curse for those guys. Yeah, because I remember last year, I forget what game it was, but I saw the Wii U being used like as a map, and you never looked down at it at right. all. And that it, it's just, it's weird, you know? There's so many things like that that you see, and you say to yourself, oh, this is going to be amazing, it's going to be great, and then afterwards you come away and you're just like, eh, it was all right. It was all right. I still remember when they put those stupid figurines on it, and it did something on the screen. Where is that? Right, you that think, never came out. You would think you'd see that with Disney Infinity. You'd think you'd see that with Skylanders. You know what I mean? Like with games that would automatically jump into the proverbial pool. And to a degree, I think it's there, but it wasn't as front and center as it should have been. Yeah, or unless they're going to announce it tomorrow at freaking 9 a.m. Right, which, which again, you know, we'll be live blogging that as well, so definitely... Be on the lookout for that on RealFlushMagazine.com and, of course, <laughs> MyTakeRadio.com. Now, let's go into, into Sony's extremely long and arduous um, uh, keynote, which, again, definitely impressed. They had a lot of great stuff there. A um, couple of bundles were shown. Some games that we knew we were going to see were shown. Uh, overall, before we get into some of the, the titles in particular, what did you think of Sony's keynote as a whole, and were they and did they have the strongest showing at E3? Well, they use the word exclusive a lot, mm -hmm. and it's making me second guess all of my pre-orders oh. for the Xbox One. Okay. So, I still think the most innovative was Ubisoft with Just Dance. Right. Like that right there was the most innovative thing, and the Rainbow Six. Gotcha. But Sony, Sony saying this is exclusive. You get this exclusive, and having actual dates for things. Right. They were a lot stronger than Xbox in it, that regard. It does make sense. I mean, I liked what they did. They really put their, they they put their um, their love behind Destiny as a, as a brand new IP. Not only putting the game out, but also releasing. And this is something that I always say is a testament to where they gauge a, a game success releasing a console bundle with destiny which of course is a brand new all-white playstation 4 i think the video skipped for me during that part but now i think i want that you want the game or you want the all-white ps4 i may want the all-white ps4 really i'm such Maybe. a I'm such a weirdo with that stuff. Like everything has to fucking match. <laughs> like, like, like I had, when I got the Xbox 360, the first one the, that was white, you know, I had that, I had the Wii U, they were white and I had my launch PS4 and I just hated the fact that nothing matched. So 
when my Xbox 360 died out and I got the slim Xbox 360, I made sure to get it in black. So everything is nice and, and uniform. Yeah, well, nothing matches over here. They're all different colors. Gray, blue, green, <laughs> black. Yeah, I'm white. a weirdo. I'm a weirdo. I'm a weirdo with that stuff. But but I will say I haven't picked up a PS4 and even I was a little, I, you know, I had a little love for that, for the Glacier White. I was like, wow, that looks pretty badass. Well, just the fact to get to play the beta before right. Xbox, and I've gotten that email from Games GameStop saying, "Hey, you could play the beta in January." You were lying. That's never going to happen. <laughs> well, that's GameStop doing what they what they do best, you know, using the old bait and switch. Yeah, where they have to put an inventory date of December thirty first. When they don't know release dates, I, right. I should really trust them. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, they did. They did fantastic work. Um, one one title, it's a guilty pleasure. I don't care how old I am. Was Little Big Planet? I love that. I love it all looks them. So cute. Yeah, I have a. I actually have a a sack boy right behind me on my uh, on the scale. I used to weigh all my eBay stuff. So a lot of love for for Little Big Planet here is definitely nice to see it getting um, some next gen love. And on top of that, obviously using all the created content from previous Little Big Planet games is huge in giving that game a long shelf life. Yeah, so now that's the one thing that was missing, the backwards compatibility. Yep. Like everybody dropped the ball. <laughs> did didn't they announce like Genkai last year? Did they actually do some sort of streaming service? Yes, the, it's supposed to be PlayStation Now and um They've been beta te- they they've had some beta tests from what I've heard and some people have got to see it as well and they've been a, a couple of games but in regards to the specifics for the service I haven't heard if it's going to be subscription based if it's going to be uh you know purchasing the titles one by one so definitely a lot of question marks there but I I was hoping to see that at this event just to see because I think had they announced that they would have blown the roof off of the entire E3 event as a whole. Yeah. Imagine, Plus, you know, subscription yeah. service, playing all your PlayStation 1 and 2 games for whatever, an extra 10 bucks a month on PlayStation Plus. Yeah, because we saw Genkai like, yep. at CES 20-something, and it was for LG before. Like, LG was going to have this streaming game service, and right. then... All of a sudden, that same year, Sony scooped them up and and put them with the PlayStation. So we were extremely excited because we were like, we played this thing and this thing was freaking awesome. It blew your mind, right? Yeah. What could be the setbacks that's like holding us back for so long? I think that they're trying to probably build a sizable library so that when they do drop it, they can say, hey, you can play God of War 1 through 3, Uncharted 1 through 3. You know what I mean? Like, they want to give you a lengthy list of titles that people can be like, fuck, I want to get this system ASAP. Jesus, if Sony does this and it's, like, seamless, all the other consoles better watch out. Absolutely. It's it's going to be it's going to be insane to see. I mean, Little Big Planet 3 definitely kind of dangled the carrot with regards to that. Mm-hmm. Now, they also showed off Far Cry 4, which looked really good. Um nice way to share the game with friends that don't have it by allowing you to have one copy between your friends to play the game. I did like that approach. It was something unique, something very interesting. But a feature that I know not too many people are going to touch on is going to be that one. Yeah. Which is crazy. I mean, you know, you're using you're using for all intents and purposes, and I have a feeling that's what it is. It's going to be using Gaikai or PlayStation Now as the back end to feed the game to, you know, three other friends or whatever, you know? Yeah. We we are more much more observant than the average gamer. Yep, we try to be. I mean, you know, I, I watch it. I watch it as best as I can, and I look for for subtle things, little things. I mean, one thing, and I saw a lot of the guys in the chat when when I got home from the office, they were very excited. Was they showed off Grim Fandango oh, on the yeah. PS4? Yeah, so I finally get to play it because that's a title I, I seriously lack in vintage gaming titles and that's one of them that i i would love to get a crack at yeah vintage vintage titles it's a it's a love-hate relationship sometimes releasing the vintage title serves as a oh hey guys we we want to show love to this title 
Otherwise, other times it's like, hey, we're just going to use this as a cash grab. But the genuine excitement from the crowd and even from, like I said, from my own from my own staff was was great mm-hmm. to see. Well, it's Tim Schafer. Tim Schafer makes games that makes everybody happy. Oh, I agree 100 percent. Everybody, everybody loves Tim Schafer. And, you know, for that game to finally be getting a nod on the PS4 is going to definitely get a sizable amount of money. I mean, is it going to be a, a billion dollar title no but it'll probably generate enough of a of a buzz that people will be looking at more tim schaefer owned titles you know more tim schaefer created titles on next gen yeah well just remember his kickstarter he made oh, more than a million in the first 24 oh yeah 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 that's right i forgot about that yeah so if he wants to make another game the public will help him make another game absolutely now uh, you know they tried to make this bigger than it was youtube heading to ps4 i do feel that the utilization of the of the share button is a driving force behind this i mean i think the ease of sharing uh clips and and screenshots from the ps4 in my opinion is a is a benefit that not as many people talk about i mean i picked up an xbox one i got a great deal on it and i've done one live stream which was great you know i was able to stream straight to twitch and it worked but it you didn't get addicted to it. I didn't. I didn't get addicted to the streaming because I I view streaming as a facet of of work. So <laughs> it's like if I'm going to turn on the system and I'm going to play a game and I'm going to stream every game I play, that mm-hmm. means that I'm going to have to also set up my computer to record every yeah. gameplay session because Twitch doesn't save all the gameplay, you know. And mm-hmm. you can't even download your clips back from Twitch. You can view them through the Xbox. I wanted to say smart ass through the Xbox. um, Smart glass. Smart glass. Yeah. Right. But, but think about this. It's like when you upload videos to YouTube or whatever, you can always go back to YouTube at some point and download the MP4. Yeah. Twitch doesn't allow you to do that, which in a way is, is a benefit that would be great because it's like, think about it. If you want to stream your game and say you're, you're somebody that does it, for you know your job or a site or whatever you got to make sure to have your computer set up to record and then you got to make sure you have that video file set up and you got to babysit that yeah but i thought the whole problem with youtube was the content like if you upload other people's content on there even if it's gaming youtube can say you're copyright infringing well, it's it's funny because they they do still say that, but I think that the precedent is starting to change. I mean, when Nintendo mm-hmm. announced their 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 partnership uh, service now with with YouTube subscribers, where they get a portion of any footage for a Nintendo game that allows Nintendo to put their own advertising, um, I think it was a step in the right direction. I think that there's a very very gray area with regards to just sharing your content on YouTube. I think that from a, a professional standpoint if it's part of your business and it's and it's a and it's a backbone of your business it's important now for everybody else that wants to share their games and their achievements they really shouldn't be penalized for it on the contrary it's better it's more eyes on youtube which is what's important Mm -hmm. and it's 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 an added benefit to the console itself i mean sony's having a blast you know every time i look on my facebook timeline i see screenshot after screenshot after screenshot from countless people from scenes of some of their favorite games. No. Mhm. I got you. It's just for me personally, I uh, I don't enjoy watching other people play. Okay, I I respect that. I I I can't sit through a stream. I like being um, involved. Like I like yeah. stre- I like streaming for my audience because I like to interact with them. And now. You know that I picked up a Surface. I can actually have the chat room open while I play, and I can yeah. answer people's questions while I do stuff, which is cool. Yeah, that's that's like why E3, like when they have these pressers, it's like, yeah, that's great. You're showing a trailer, but when can I play it? Yep, that's that's definitely it. I mean, one thing that that, that was crazy was you know they showed the um the playroom update, which was going to add like AR, you know, augmented reality uh, broadcasting setups and. It was it was interesting because, you know, the the app was banned from Twitch because people were doing a lot of a lot of shit with it that they shouldn't have been doing. And oh, uh, you mean they were acting like human beings? Ex- <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. 
Now, they need to stop thinking that we're always going to be doing the right thing. Nope. You always have to. <laughs> I always live by the precedent of everything that has honest intentions can still be used dishonestly. It's like, that- here's a great example. Google Glass. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, you know, you can see through the eyes of a person and if yep you can see oh if i'm teaching somebody how to cook they can see me through my eyes you know first person shooter view but then somebody was like oh you know we're gonna start doing you're gonna start using google glass for porn and i'm like see there it goes the minute that application comes out the minute somebody says you can do that it, it again it changes the scope of things it's the same thing with this with ar with with the ar broadcasting because eventually people are going to start becoming personalities on playstation using this service and in turn are going to build audiences up from this service yeah just like any anything else yep They're we gonna- have like huge ass youtube banners now with people that have become these personalities through That's their right. channels on youtube well, one th- we, while we were talking about the PlayStation Now, I did I did hear that the PlayStation Now beta will be excuse me will be opening to PS4 owners on July 31st. That mm-hmm. means that all gamers in the U.S. and Canada will be able to get involved. Um, you know, obviously PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3, Vita, and select Sony TV owners will be getting beta access shortly thereafter. Now, you know, you'll be able to stream. Over a hundred PlayStation Three games, including Dead Space Three, Metal Gear Solid Five, Ground Zeroes, Ultra Street Fighter Four, Ratchet and Clank into the Nexus. Um, right now, obviously, there's invitation only private testing, which launched back in January. But it looks like we're not gonna have be we're not gonna have to wait much longer to see where they're gonna take this next evolution of just gameplay consumption. As was that random song. I'm in a tunnel, but he can stop on me. I'm oh, sorry. Can you hear Chris in the background? I can hear Chris a little bit more than I should. Uh, yeah, according to him, he's not loud. <laughs> That's okay. No worries. But um, you know, the PlayStation Now beta. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I'm hoping um with an upcoming birthday, a PlayStation Four will make its way into my house. <laughs> So, Lucky you. Mine was months ago. Oh, I have man. to wait till Christmas at this point. Ah, well, there you go. Well, obviously, PlayStation Now, big, you know, uh, uh, not a big announcement, but a, su- a subtle enough announcement from Sony letting Microsoft know, hey, you know, we're not fucking around. We're, we're going to take it to you. And if this takes off the way it should, it's going to be what's going to strap a rocket on the console sales that we're already leading in. Yeah, it's pretty aggressive, the relationship between the two. Yep. It, even more so. I mean, Sony, they unveiled that, and then they unveiled Vita TV, which, you know, now known as PlayStation TV here in the States. I'm um, mm-hmm. going to give you access to the entire library of PS Now games, um, and you can access the games on your network. You get your little DualShock 3 controller and a voucher for Lego, you know, for the Lego the movie video game. Mm-hmm. Now... You know, nice piece of hardware. It's great. Is it going to be something you're going to require? Is it a must own? No. But what they're doing is they're filling a niche that's already crowded with things like Apple TV, Google TV, and they're trying to say, hey, by the way, we you'll you'll probably be get no, excuse me, you'll be able to get access to all these other services, but you'll also be able to play games, which is what everybody wants. I mean, the only competitor right now is Amazon's Fire TV. Yeah. Or. Yeah, serious? I'm pretty sure. And they're doing Amazon's doing some sort of announcement soon too. Yes, which allegedly is going to be their phone. Yeah. Which would be interesting. But I thought LG was gonna do it. Was gonna be the first one. And then I also thought Samsung was gonna do it as well, because at CES we would see lots of TVs that mm-hmm. had this functionality to play games and had like this connect like T V and I haven't seen it go anywhere. I think it was there. I think it was great. You know, it was great. Um, I don't want to say vaporware, but it was just a, a step in the direction of where things were going to go that wasn't fully formed yet. So in Sony's case, they were like, hey, we got it. We're just going to run with it and see where the chips fall. Now, given Sony's current financial situation, while I like the, the PlayStation TV concept, I do feel that it's like you guys are taking some pretty decent sized gambles here. I mean, this is a company that just spun off their their laptop division and pretty much got rid of that. 
for yeah. for TVs and phones only and and televisions of course. And I I don't know because I think it's comparable to an Apple TV isn't an Apple TV like 99 bucks? Yes. And then if you get a DualShock controller with it you're getting a game a game which is probably about a $40 value plus right. the SD cards which it might actually be perfect for somebody that doesn't feel comfortable with getting a full-blown PS4, That's right? But oh, wants yes. to play or get their kids into playing games, but like have them in the living room and keep an eye on them. I could it, see it that. It might actually work. I could see that. I just feel that Sony's not that they're spreading themselves thin, but they're trying to jump into a lot of different into a lot of different pools at the same time because. It's like you got the Vita out there, which while it is a, a serviceable handheld, isn't isn't you know setting the market on fire. In addition to that, you're you're creating this this ancillary set top box that may be successful, but is not something that is a must have. If anything, I see this becoming more so um, an accessory that's going to be utilized by people that have you know multi multi console households where say the dad plays his PS4 and maybe his kids want to get on it, but he doesn't want to let his kids fuck with, fuck around with his system. He'll go and he'll say, Hey, you know, we're going to just put this in your room and you guys can play these games. Yeah, maybe. Do you think it's going to have some parental lock on it? I think there'll definitely be a parental lock. And I also do feel that they're going to utilize that as a way to just, like I said, allow easily accessible content in multi-console households. I think uh, and it, it, it can also be pretty much an entry-level system for, for kids that are looking to get involved because, again, if you're already a parent with a PS4 and you got a PlayStation Plus membership, you'll be able to leverage some of those indie titles and, and throw them in there, you know, for your kids to play. Yeah, plus all those free-to-play titles. Yep, which there are plenty of. Yeah, I, I wonder if they're going to be ad-based. I have a feeling that they're probably going to not do it initially. And then afterwards, they're going to definitely have some sort of an advertising model, which leads me to the next thing I wanted to bring up, which was, you know, PlayStation Network's TV show lineup, which, of course, they showed powers. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis came on stage and did, uh, you know, pretty much his, his a great show job for PlayStation's original content providers. And uh, um, the way I see it is... Microsoft, Sony, they're really just trying to allow gamers and even people that are just home entertainment connoisseurs to step outside of the the confines of relying on cable, you know? That's true, but can't you just find that same sort of content on YouTube? You can, but you know what it is? They're trying to allow... What, what they're going to do is they're breaking the restriction of being at the mercy of cable providers and advertisers. Think about it. Think about a guy like, like Brian Michael Bendis. He has this, he has this comic, which was powers. And then it's like, we're going to bring this to, to television. And you know, you pitch it to networks. And if you're not, you know, Marvel's agents of shield or, or, or a big IP, you they might look at it and, and a network may take a gamble. They may not by creating outlets. Like, you know, even like Netflix, Netflix is a prime example by escaping the confines of cable, you're you're creating brand new content for an audience that definitely will will consume it. I mean, look at Orange is the New Black. Look at um, mm-hmm. you know, shows like that where they're Netflix state they're they're Netflix staples. You know. Yeah, that's true. I think Sony's trying to step in that direction because they want to ensure that they have a piece of that pie. They don't want to just be a hub for Netflix to get all the love. That's true. But then would you just solely put all your focus into creating this stellar lineup I think for I, a group of people that may not be interested in games? I think so. I only say that it, it's, a, it's an attractive concept because you're starting to get more and more people becoming uh, more... Um, they, em- they embrace the concept of cutting the cord. There's or converting, a, pretty right, much. Right. There's a lot more people that are. I mean, one one of our guys, Josh, one of my writers, he is only digital based. He, he, he sold he sold all his Blu-rays. 
He sold all his his con you know all his hard disk uh, content, and he only shops through iTunes. You know he, he's a Mac owner, so he does everything through iTunes. All the movies, all the stuff, he just does it that way. No discs, no nothing. Everything is in the cloud. And I think you know it's a, it's a it's an interesting direction we're going in. And if you have a PlayStation Four or an Xbox One, and you have Netflix and you have Hulu. And you're investing, you know, thirty bucks a month between both services plus Xbox Live or PlayStation Plus. You're you're giving yourself a pretty solid content lineup. The only the only thing that's Bro, missing is that. HBO pulling the trigger and going on their own outside of the confines of cable. If HBO did that, it'd be a whole different ball game. Because think about it: you get Hulu for your broadcast shows, Netflix for your movies. HBO go for your premium content and Sony and Xbox will create all that ancillary niche programming that may fill that void, you know, Halo for, for the gamers or powers for the comic fans, which again, those are the guys that you're going to go after because those are the guys that are willing to spend money for that hobby. That's true. The only drawback is the ads on Hulu. Right. Well, well, the Hulu ad concept has always bothered me because it's like, yo, if I'm paying, I don't want to see a fucking ad. Yeah, that's true. And we still don't know if these PlayStation um, digital content are going to be without commercials as well. Right. Without commercials. And not only that, but what kind of a rating system will they be utilizing and how will they protect that younger demographic? That is you pose a a great question with that, because, it's again, you're not behind. You're not. a slave to those type of restrictions that networks and cable providers utilize. But I'm sure Netflix, it, it would be some sort of rating system that Netflix uses. I, I believe so. I think there will be a rating system, but again, where, where's the line going to be with regards to how far you take your content? Like mm-hmm. if you have somebody in powers, get shot in the face. How are you going to show them getting shot in the face? You know what I mean? Like where's the, Where's the cutoff with how you want to bring that programming to your audience? Or let's even just dumb it down a little bit with just cursing, cursing in general. And regular TV can't do it, but on cable, certain words are acceptable. Right. And that's also dependent on what kind of cable we're talking about, because if we're talking if we're talking AMC, there's one level of cursing versus, say, uh, Cinemax or Showtime or an HBO. Right. Yeah, this is an interesting, like, thread. Like, I don't think anybody's thought about it that way. Nope, not yet. And it's it's something that's going to be touched upon quite heavily as we go into this this next bout. You know, this next uh, this next stage of the console war. Everybody talks about Microsoft pulling the trigger and and waving around TV, 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 and original content. But mm-hmm. nobody seems to re- to acknowledge the fact Sony did the same shit. They just did it in a more subtle way. Yeah, they weren't in your face blatant about right. it. Now, let's switch gears to um, GTA 5's announcement heading to all next-gen consoles. Uh, some people were super pumped. Some people were a little annoyed. Um, where do you stand? Me, personally, a game's a game. Whether you I'm can- indifferent, yeah. Right. Whether you consumed it on current gen and you're going to play it on next gen, great. If you're just waiting for it to come on next gen to jump into the pool, great. But Yeah, you got to think about all those people that didn't play it. Yep. Like, I didn't play it. Right. I, I may be waiting for a next gen console to play it on, or I maybe am not interested in playing it. I actually purchased it. I think I got a deal on it during, during the holidays, and that's how I ended up buying it. Mm-hmm. Because, again... You know, it's it's a game that you're going to get. It has a long shelf life. So all you're doing, in essence, is releasing a game that will, in turn, allow you to just enjoy it with prettier visuals. Yeah, it's just more people are going to be able to play it now. Right. Because, yeah. like, that, although it was cutesy, the Tim Schafer letter, Sally had a point. There are just some... She's born now. There were some games that were before her time, and she may never get to play them. That's right. I mean, one thing I, I commend at Rockstar for making sure is that if any progress you've made in GTA Online on the PS3 or 360 is going to carry over to next gen, and that's great. 
You know, I applaud them for doing that. But again, that nugget is just going to make people. I think that they took the opportunity to tell people, hey, you can get rid of your old consoles. It's okay. Well, just in the PlayStation world. Right. They're like, hey, we just wanted to let you know you you can kind of start parting with that that PlayStation 3 that you may not be playing as much. I in in my opinion, I disagree because you don't want to part with those consoles because there's still great games that you can play on there, especially with the lack of backwards compatibility. Right mm-hmm. now as as it stands, you know, there's still there's still great games on both on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 that you can still play plus from a backwards compatibility standpoint, you know, I have a launch PS3. I'm not going to part with that, you know? Yeah, and they're still releasing titles for Absolutely. both. Absolutely. So, why even bother? Well, the the last bit and of course it was fitting that they would close out with this Uncharted 4 A Thief's End um beautiful beautiful outstanding visuals um Naughty Dog made sure to be the closer with good reason. If it's one thing, I think by waiting until 2015, it allows developers to get more comfortable with um PlayStation hardware and I think that's one of the reasons why you see so many titles jumping to 2015 on both consoles because it, it, like anything else and I talked about this on air a few times you may have heard it or I said hey as the, as we went deeper into the 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 shelf life for the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3 that's when we started seeing those visually mind-blowing games Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't at launch. It wasn't within the first six months. It was a year or two later when the developers felt comfortable in that sandbox that we started to see some real hardcore shit. Think about it. Well, like Uncharted it, 3 was beautiful. Yeah. Well, it's not only that. It's that they were they, they were done thinking about the hardware. Now they got to think about the core, which is the story. Right. And the gameplay. So, so they they were focused on that more. I think it was a, a a great way to close out, a wonderful way to close out. I mean, they also showed off Ooh, Arkham Knight, which which, which got year. pushed to 2015 as well. Year. Yeah, which I definitely need to See unwrap all all the Batman games that I have and start playing them. Yeah, you. I I, I can't game, stress Batman. enough that they're awesome games. You definitely should give them a shot. I mean, especially as a as a as a preparation course before Arkham Knight drops. I think that a lot of people were upset that it was delayed, but I also felt that October and November were starting to get really fucking crowded in yes, terms of releases. Definitely. So it's like, it's like, listen, let them breathe. Let people get more comfortable in the, in the console sandbox that you can play in and let's just enjoy the ride. I mean, if they drop five games at once that are great, you're not going to play them all. This goes back to what I said earlier when they launched both consoles um, that everybody was like, oh, the launch lineup, the launch lineup. It's like, are you playing 21 games at the same time? Yes, I am. And I have <laughs> 21 TVs up and <laughs> I have like two, three people by me helping me. It, it Like like I, I bought the Xbox One. I got it with um, I bought the Titanfall bundle. I paid $450. It was a $50 price difference between the PlayStation 4 at the time that I bought it. And I said to myself, and, you know, I told my wife, I'm going to buy the system when there's more than one game I want to play. And that turned out to be Titanfall and Killer Instinct. That was enough. Mm-hmm. I still haven't found an Xbox One title I want to play. Well, everybody, everybody's a little different. I mean, a couple of people were like, oh, yeah, like a lot of the guys that I know that loves their sports games, you know, they're, they were ready as soon as they could play NBA 2K14 with next-gen graphics. So they jumped into the pool immediately. But those mm-hmm. are also guys that are invested in games that you can sell right away. And even if you pick up a used copy, it doesn't cost anything, you know? That's true. But all of those sports games have magnificent graphics. Oh, like, yeah. they are extremely realistic. Oh, yeah. Top, super top-of-the-food-chain graphics that just blow people's minds. It's it's definitely amazing to see uh, that sort of uh, of just architecture at work with some of these games. I mean, even the the UFC game, which has a a demo now on Xbox One and and PlayStation Four, just visually impressive. The only thing that bothered me with that game was that I had issues with collision detection. But that's just me being you know me. <laughs> In terms of the game looking beautiful, it definitely did. So I mean, 
you know, next year, 2015 is going to be a banner year for gamers. Now, um, we're, we're approaching the hour mark. So I wanted to go into, of course, tomorrow, 9am, uh, Pacific time, 12 PM Eastern Nintendo's going to unveil whatever they got in store. <laughs> and, and with that, what do you think Nintendo needs to bring to the party to, to really make a statement? Me personally, all I got to say is two words, price drop. Yeah. And it might be the year of Yoshi or the year of Kirby. Actually, I wouldn't mind if it's the year of Kirby. I wouldn't mind a Kirby game. I said before, maybe some F-Zero, maybe um, by getting a brand new license for Mike Tyson's Punch-Out with Mike Tyson. Where, yeah. And I said this on air. Imagine instead of playing Mike Tyson's Punch-Out as Little Mac, you actually can play through Mike Tyson's Punch-Out as Mike Tyson being the character. After being defeated by Little Mac, he has to fight his way up through the rankings, and Little Mac is the champion. Mm, that's that would be. I would play that. You know, it's just you, and you're using a real license, and you have a guy that you can use as your as your spokesperson. I mean, regardless of how people feel about Mike Tyson, he's a, he's a very engaging personality, and by mm-hmm. by using him as as the namesake for a game that's you know pretty much synonymous with with NES. I think it's a step in the right direction. I mean, same thing. There's a lot of great IPs out there. F-Zero was another IP. You know, I, everybody loves Mario Kart, and Mario Kart is great. But F-Zero wasn't a shitty game in the least. Agreed. You know? And I just hope that they and that they don't announce another peripheral or hardware nope. of any sort. Nope. Like, I don't want a new DS. My old DS is working just fine. That's right. And the... That tablet one, whatever it's called. The Wii U? <laughs> no, no, no. There's a DS oh, that's yeah, the, like the, the flat one. Right, right, right. The, the, the 2DS. The 2DS. The 2DS, yes. We, we don't need another one of those. We just need some more games. That's it. We're, we're content with, with what Nintendo's been feeding us so far. I think that, that the only other thing I feel is that Nintendo needs to get more aggressive in pushing third-party devs to play in their proverbial sandbox. It's like, hey, they should come in there and be like, hey, we got this system, it's really fun, it's really engaging. Come in here, play with what we got to offer. You guys could do some really cool stuff with it, I'm telling you. like, Yeah, well, I heard that Watch Dogs is going to be their test subject for that. Right, but here's the problem with that. Everybody's already played Watch Dogs. I hate to be, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's like... You got to come out of the gate at the same time and use the uniqueness of your console as that driving force. If Watch Dogs was hitting uh, Xbox One and PlayStation 4 on Nintendo, you should be, oh, you know, the Wii U version allows you to hack with your tablet right on the go. Augmented reality, you can hold up your tablet to your TV and you can hack directly through the tablet. Just just shit like that that makes people go, oh, you know, maybe I, maybe I should pick that up. Maybe that'll be kind of cool. Yeah, I would totally second guess it. At that point. Exactly. But instead, what we're doing is we're relying on on the usuals, which, again, I don't mind the usuals, but I just need to see more of them. Like I said, you know, Kirby was a great example. You brought up Punch Out, Mm -hmm. like I said, F-Zero. But then we go back to where Microsoft dropped the ball and still does not announce crap with their smart glass. and. Does not announce any anything innovative using that app. Yeah, the the smart glass was just there. I think the smart glass was one of those things where they said, "Hey, we're gonna get in there. We're gonna try and create this thing, and you're gonna use it." I think that the problem is we are so inundated with content, and I think there's a lot of sensory overload. Like me personally, I don't like as much as I like my Xbox One and the Snap feature, and it's great. I don't think I'd be as attentive to a TV show that's playing in a smaller window of my console while I'm playing a game. Uh, Hi, maybe, you would be surprised. <laughs> I think I think the only time I've used Snap on on the Xbox One has been when I was um you know watching like a wrestling pay per view and trying to do um some gameplay capturing. But so, it's not even that. It's like there were certain titles like I think. I may be wrong, but Just Dance, you could set up the the playlist, or it might have been Dance Central, where you can use the app to set up the playlist, and then you never had to interact with the menu screen. So you could have get 
could have had a party of friends playing along and people would just drag and drop songs and into the playlist and they would use the app for that. Yeah, I think I think it was I think it was definitely promising um, with regards to that. I just feel that, again, the sensory overload, there's way too much stuff out there. And again, we got to stick to the core, which is playing the games. The more that we focus on playing the games, the more the ancillary services can be embraced without having to work hard. Yeah, but then we can go back to you can use your phone, go back to Ubisoft, use your phone as a controller. Right. So why not use the Surface? You know, Microsoft already has Mm -hmm. this peripheral that they're already telling people to use for PCs. Why not get them to use it for their Xbox? Play the games that, or at least play your arcade games on there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I picked up a, a Surface RT for a steal and I like it. You know, it's been, it's been, it's made me incredibly productive from a work standpoint. And I do feel that they've not that they've missed the boat but the problem is that now they're focusing their energies on the surface pro because it's such a an alternative to uh laptops and and high grade uh high grade information and that's great because you know again microsoft office all the free all the windows 8 applications you got a full-fledged pc in a very mm-hmm. small form factor but when you factor in price you're not catching that demo like if they said hey you can pick up a surface 2 or a surface 3 it's not the pro, but you still can play, you know, use Windows and you can get a minimum of whatever, 25 apps you can, applications oh. you can install on. It's something. And but you, you pro- know why that is, right? Because everybody complained that, oh, my God, there's no desktop feature. Where's the start button? Yep. I don't know how this works. Yeah, people, people were so afraid of change. I mean, don't get me wrong. It took me some time to adjust. But now it's it, it's it's commonplace. I think on from a tablet standpoint, you really should not have forced the issue of this quote unquote requiring desktop because at the end of the day, you don't have a desktop mode on an iPad. You don't have a desktop mode on your phone and you work just as well. What's the difference? Exactly. All right. Deviating. (laughs) No, I mean, you know, I just want, I wanted to touch on that. Now, of course, Nintendo's keynote, as far as I know, is the only keynote, um, coming around at 12 o'clock is there anything else that we should be aware of that our listeners should be aware of for tomorrow no that's the only one i have on my schedule all right well there you have it nintendo bringing their bringing their game face on tomorrow at 12 p.m eastern standard time um of course make sure to check out the live blog on royalflushmagazine.com royal r-o-y-a-l flush f-l-u-s-h magazine.com make sure to check it out there of course, on MyTakeRadio.com as well. And you can see uh, Danny and the rest of the MTR family live blogging throughout the event. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Uh, no, just that we're going to continue to update all the posts with all the trailers from today's conferences. Yep, be on the lookout for those on RoyalFlushMagazine.com as well as on My Take Radio. And if you want to keep up with Danny on Twitter, make sure to follow her at Twitter.com forward slash Royal flush gal (laughs) g-a-l thanks all right guys that is a brand new episode of mtr in 60 covering day one of e3 be on the lookout after tomorrow's nintendo event for another installment of mtr in 60 hopefully danny will be joining us for that so we can recap all the events from nintendo as always my take radio airs live every thursday at 11 p.m eastern 8 p.m pacific on mtrlive.com or gfqlive.tv. On behalf of myself and Danny, thank you guys for listening, and we will see you for the Nintendo event for the next MTR in 60. Peace.